expecting you to feel alone, I assure you, you're not. Ren and I are helping other business owners get through to their sales team to yield record performance in this shifting market. If you think this might help you, text LEADERS to 33777. And the show is brought to you by our sister company, InvestorLift. Get access to over 2 million million cash buyers across the country. Go to InvestorLift.com, put in disruptors to get 10% off. And if you get value today, please share this episode right now. Tag it from below. That way we can all grow together. And this is a live show. So please ask your questions for Jason to answer. You ready? Let's do it, man. All right. So first question is, what was your life like before real estate? I was a phys ed teacher. Mm-hmm. I moved from Long Island to New York to Henderson, Nevada by myself. I was 22, 23. Mm-hmm. I was a teacher. And I had no clue, no direction what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I hated teaching. Hated As, teaching. hated it. Couldn't well, stand I, it. What did you hate about teaching? I just didn't like, uh, well, obviously the low pay. and Compensation. Yeah, compensation. Issue. And I just didn't, it, there was no fulfillment in that job. Mm-hmm. So. Did you have any suspicion of that? Like, I guess, why did you become a PE teacher then? So both my parents were teachers. Got it. And it was instilled early in my years. Being a teacher is the best job because you get the summers off. Mm-hmm. And That's true. It's true. But uh, I just didn't love it. And so what I did was I transitioned well, from... Well, were your parents fulfilled? Yes, they were. So they loved it. They loved it. Right. So you saw two loving parents have a career in teaching. Yep. They were happy with it. And you say, okay, that's life for me. Correct. And then you did it. And that's exactly what I did. <laughs> and you realize, wait a minute. <laughs> this is not the life for me. That You nailed it. Yeah. yeah. And I totally get that. You know, like I thought, you know, being an engineer made sense. Right. Because I actually enjoyed it. Right. In college. And then I got in the real world. I realized this is <laughs> not fulfilling at no, all. So no, I didn't right. love it. So pay is not great, but you know, at least it's going to be fulfilling. And then it wasn't fulfilling. No. So then what? So then I was just given an opportunity to coach a high school lacrosse program. All right. And I was teaching and then going to coach at night. And, and this is in Nevada? This is in Las Vegas, in okay. Henderson, yeah. And Throughout the years I was doing that, I was just given opportunities by the parents. I was coaching 200 parents in this program. And they were like, Jason, go work at this job. You'll make more money than being a teacher. Go Mm -hmm. work at the nightclub, et cetera. And eventually it got to a point where one of the parents was like, I think you would be good in real estate. Mm -hmm. You're very personable. You're organized. And I was like, you know what? I heard the market is good. It Mm -hmm. was really low, but now it's coming up. And I was like, let's give it a shot. And when was this? This was 2015. 2015, all right. Yeah. And I just hit the ground running. I got my real estate license. I told all my friends, family back in New York, I'm like, I'm, I got, I'm a realtor now. And what was their response? They were a little blown away. They were like, you know, I'm not the smartest business person mm-hmm. in the world. Fortunately, um, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, right? And I, they were like, it, they were shocked. Yeah. That's a good question. I don't get that a lot. And uh, so I was calling my family and friends, and they were like, well, let's go buy a piece of real estate out mm-hmm. there. And I just started buying my friends' rental properties. Yeah. And I started partnering with them, and it just exploded into this whole big business. So you told your friends, you're working a referral system or a sphere yes. of influence system. Yep. I'm guessing this is through some sort of coaching or mentor that suggested you go in this direction. So my mentor, he... He did set me up for success, but he was amazing because he took me off the boat, threw me in the ocean, and drove the boat away. That's he, how most 
brokers are. Yep. Was that your broker? Yes, it was my broker and my mentor. <laughs> and it was the best thing that I, that I ever did. He did show me the correct ways of, of networking. Yeah. I'm really good at networking. I was working at Excess uh, Nightclub, which mm-hmm. was the number one nightclub in the world at the time. Yeah. Just telling everyone I had my real estate license. This was before the surge where everyone had mm-hmm. it. And uh, people just trust me. What trust were you doing me. at the nightclub? We were doing uh, the bottle service. Okay. So... I can't picture you like in a bikini, right? <laughs> so, what part of the bottle service? So when when uh when these customers come in and they order bottle service, the girls mm-hmm. they can't hold the heavy bottles of champagne, right? And the bottles of liquor, so they need somebody to help them. Got so it. So you're like the assistant to the waitress. You're like the bar hop in a way. Yeah, the yeah the bar back. We'll call bar it. back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're telling everyone there, I'm in real estate. So my question here. And it's just out of curiosity because, mm-hmm. you know, we go to Vegas, we go clubbing, we go crazy, whatever. Is your audience then, and you're telling everyone, are they out of state or in state? Both. So a big part of my network is from New York mm-hmm. and where I grew up. And the thing about New York is it doesn't really grow. It's New York, where I'm from in Long Island. Mm-hmm. There's no growth yeah. really there. And so people kind of want to try different things in different places, but they didn't have an outlet go buy real estate somewhere else. So yeah. I became that outlet mm-hmm. and quickly it blossomed into, hey, if you want to buy out of state real estate, Jason's the guy. He could set you up with a rental property and get you a place here in Vegas. Yeah. And that's what I did. All right. So before we get into that, I just wanted to, you know, just touch on this real quick. You know, we're talking about the broker that kind of like mm-hmm. drops you in the ocean yeah. and, and drives the boat away. Like guys, the reality is you got to do your research, right? When you're looking to hire a mentor on the traditional side, um, just like you need to do your research before you hire a mentor, right? Yep. On the on the real estate investment side, uh, you got to investigate the broker because that is the norm. Jason, yep. come to my brokerage. I'll give you all the support you need. <laughs> I'm going to give you leads. I'm going to coach you up. And then the moment you sign the dotted line and you move your license over, all right, Jason, get out there and get after it. Right. Right. I was a, I was put in a unique situation because through coaching, mm-hmm. I had a network of 200 families every single year. Right. So parents would graduate out, mm-hmm. but then younger ones would come into the program. Mm-hmm. So I was just meeting tons of families every single year. Yeah. And that was a huge well, stepping stone. Well, for sure. But that was your efforts. Yes. That was yes. your relationships. Right. Uh, one point I was making is that there are a lot of brokers that will recruit hard in the moment, and they promise like, more leads, more appointments, this and that, and the moment you sign the dotted line, right? hey, you know what? I wish you the best. Yeah. So I, uh, my, my, my thing is that you can't rely on somebody else to be successful. 100% true. 100% true. Okay. So, um, we were going back to you're helping your friends and family, I presume family yep. in New York, invest in rentals. Yes. And that worked really well. Worked really well. Okay. So, explain some of your early success there. So, my cousin Joe, when I wanted to move to Vegas, we were plowing snow in Brooklyn, New York. It was like four in the morning. And I was like, dude, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I want to do something different. And he was like, I had my best friend growing up. My best friend since kindergarten was going to UNLV. And he was like, yo, the real estate's like $30,000 $30, for a condo. And my cousin heard, and he was like, let's go buy a condo. Mm-hmm. So he bought a condo. And then two years later, I'm like, can I go live in that condo? I want to move there. And he was like, I'll give you a shot. If you mess up, we're going to have a problem. Right. And he let me go. And so... That same, that same cousin, I got my license, I told him, and he's like, yeah, let's start buying rental properties. So I bought my, first, I bought my house first, 
mm-hmm. and I bought my first uh, rental for $250,000, and we targeted, targeted the area that I was coaching in in Henderson, the really high-end area in Las Vegas, Nevada, um, and it was all people that want to go to this one school, Coronado High School. And there's a big rental demand there because uh-huh. people want to go to school there. They want their kids to go oh, to school if there. Oh, you're renting this yep. district or this school district. Yeah, then your kids can go to Coronado High School. And I just started buying and buying, and I did not stop buying, and I never sold. But the the first condos and houses we bought for the house was two fifty. It's worth seven fifty. Oh wow! You know, seven eight years later. Yeah. And I bought a lot of them. <laughs> That's good. That's yeah. smart. So, um. You got your real estate license. Got my real estate license. Yeah. You help people buy rentals. Mm-hmm. And then you bought rentals. Yes. So that part's a little bit different. Yes, it you is. You know, um, you know, the, one of the sad realities, because, uh, you know, again, I, I wear hats. On, uh, you mm-hmm. know, I, I'm in both realms. One of the biggest uh, frustrations is that there are a lot of realtors that sell real estate, but they never buy the rentals. Yeah. Why did you buy rentals? Because my cousin Joe told me to do it. Ah, okay. So now that having bought those rentals... How many people is Jason showing properties to today to buy rentals? A lot. You're still showing yeah. properties to buy rentals. I get so many, to your point, people like that I walk the walk. Mm-hmm. And I talk the talk and then I walk the walk. So they're right. saying, Jason, like I see Jason buying real estate, so I should do it too. Mm-hmm. Or I see Jason and I kind of want to do what he's doing. Sure. So that's been a huge help to me. Because a lot of realtors go out there and they say, oh, go buy a rental. It's good cash flowing, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But then you ask them how many rentals do you own, they say zero. Mm-hmm. So I've just been doing that. I stick to my lane of I just buy rental properties. Mm-hmm. I have the system down of you buy the best location, location, location. Mm-hmm. You rent the crap out of it for a long period of time, and it will progressively make you money. Right. It's no secret. It's not a crazy secret sauce of brain surgery. It's just a simple method. It's not and, it's not crazy. It's not innovation. No. And yet it's uncommon. It's uncommon. And I don't know why. I don't yeah. know. I don't know why. Maybe it's a little scary for, mm. for agents or newer investors, but I did it right away and I got the nerves out. Right. But quickly. I want to touch on this. You're still showing properties. Yes, I am. That's very different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Typically, right? You get to a point where like you hire Transaction coordinator, you're having showing agents, yeah. this and that. Why are you still showing properties? The people that I'm dealing with now are, I love working with professional athletes mm-hmm. now. So it's, it's, I love in moving people to Las Vegas. Yeah. That's like a special thing to me. So mm-hmm. if, if I get a call, somebody's like, I'm moving from here to Las Vegas, mm-hmm. I love giving that person the full experience. Yeah. Well, I'll show them the house, I'll take them to dinner, I'll take them to the nightclub. Take them to the pools. I'll do all. I'll give them the concierge full... experience. Exactly. People like that. Where well, yeah. I mean, yeah. You're like doing that. all those other things. Yeah. So you're not selling the house. You're selling no. Vegas. Yeah. You're selling the lifestyle. The experience of it, correct? Right. Because that's what really, Las Vegas is. Well, it's really smart, though, right? Because I mean, most people we we talk about this right now. I so I just launched a dispositions course, right? You know, selling properties. Like, how do you sell your assets? Right. And the point I've been making in it is that we don't sell assets because if we're selling assets, it's a widget. Yep. Right. We're selling an exit to your or, or, or a step closer your end goal, whether it's more time with family, mm-hmm. vacations, yep. retiring spouse, whatever. But there's an end game in place. And that's what you're doing here. You're not selling the house. You're like, hey, you want to move to Vegas? Like, let me show you how yeah. awesome Vegas is. 
And then this house is just part of that story. Yeah, I never really thought of it like that, but yeah, that's exactly what I do. Yeah, no, I think that's brilliant. So at what point then did you transition to short-term rentals from just regular rentals? Because you were buying regular rentals Mm -hmm. from Henderson for the high school. Yep. When did you transition from year-long rentals to short-term rentals? So we had, um, in my brokerage, it was a big property management hub. We had a few people doing property management. They were doing really well. And my mentor with short-term rentals, his name's Sean Cunningham, he was like, you love rentals. This is just long-term rentals on steroids. The cash flow is just astronomically Mm -hmm. more. And I'm the type of person, just show me it worked one time, (laughs) and then I went all in on it the past two and a half, three years. I was like, this is incredible. I was getting a lot of calls all the time. Do you have a house for me to stay in for the weekend? And I didn't have it. So I was really fixing a problem that I had. Everyone was asking me or visiting me to come, mm-hmm. clients or whatnot. And I was like, now I got to build out a whole different type of business. Mm-hmm. And I went all in on it. I was like, I'm going to build the nice short-term rentals in Henderson. And gotcha. that's what we did. And your focus then is predominantly in Henderson. Yep, only in Henderson. Okay. Because I think Vegas. Yep, go ahead. All right, the, yep. ho- the, the hotel unions or whatever, the lobbying firm. Yeah. Fought really hard against Airbnbs. And they, and they still are. Oh, I thought they won. So it's still ongoing. It's still ongoing. It's a, so to your point, so we have the city of Clark County and then the city of Henderson. Mm-hmm. Where Clark County is uh, where Las Vegas Strip is and the surrounding areas. So there's no set rules and regulations. But in Henderson, there are rules and regulations. Mm-hmm. So if you want an Airbnb property, you have to get a specific license per house. And so the rules are set. They're clear. And you have to pay a tax, but everywhere else it's a free for all, kind of like Arizona. There's no <laughs> rules here. You can just kind of do whatever you yeah. want. So I was like, I, I like doing business the right way. Mm-hmm. So I built my entire business in Henderson. When Clark County and the city gets their stuff together, then I'll transition. So that. you appreciate the regulation being in place. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Okay. So talk talking about that because most people are anti-regulation. I'm generally in that category for with a handful of exceptions. Okay. So explain to me why you're, you you look forward to regulated areas. So there's only a 340 licensed Airbnbs in Henderson. So you know that it's not going to become an oversaturated market. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to buy a house, I know there's not going to be any other property around me that it's going to do short-term rentals. Mm-hmm. And now I know the business model. I know that there's not going to be another 5,000 in Henderson. Yeah. And it's going to bring down my profit. With the city of Clark County in Las Vegas, it's a free-for-all. Yeah. So they could be seven in a row on your street and all types of problems. And so I'm just not into that. But the city of Henderson, they do a really good job. Yeah. They, make it, they make it fair. They make it reasonable. Uh, you have to pay your license fee once a mm-hmm. year. Safety. But it makes sense because you're it already cash flowing so much. Exactly. Yeah. And, it, and so I'm, I just like businesses that are set structure. Mm-hmm. It's not anywhere annoying. Maybe a little bit, but it's, it's fair. You got to know the rules rules so you can work within them. Exactly. Exactly right. So, and I bring this up, so I'm generally less regulation, right? Okay. But, you know, one of the things that came up in the conversations over the years is like blockchain and crypto, right? You know, like it's going to become regulated. It's going to become a problem when it's regulated. And I'm of the, I think, minority position. Like, no, regulation is going to be great. Because once it's regulated, then at that point, we know the exact rules. And it creates safety for everyone else to... Yeah, get involved as well. Definitely, right? there's a lot of money in the sidelines because it's an unregulated yeah. industry. 
the the example I use is when I first moved to Vegas, Uber was like the big no no. You can't mm-hmm. Uber anywhere because yeah. of the hotels and the valet and all that. Right. But then slowly people started to give in. They're like, oh, Uber's good. It works. It's helpful to mm-hmm. everybody. Yeah. So I think hopefully the hotels, every hotel sold out anyway. There's no more hotel rooms in Las Vegas mm-hmm. that you could rent. So this helps bring more tourism in so you could, these people could go to the casinos and lose all their money. So once <laughs> they get on board with that, it's going to be helpful. Sure. So um, when exactly did you make that transition uh, uh, to add short-term rentals? 2019. Early 2019. 2019. Yeah. Okay, and then along the way, we had this little inconvenience, right? COVID came along, yeah, yeah. and Vegas okay. shut down. Yes, Vegas shut down. So I, I, I entered the space right after COVID. So it was right at tw- towards the tail end of COVID I started. Okay, so I didn't right. get affected by that. You were not affected by I, COVID. I wasn't in it, no. Okay, that was going to be my big question. Yep. Like, How did you navigate that? Because mm-hmm. I know a lot of people transition from short-term rentals yeah. to 30-day rentals mm-hmm. or whatever for nurses. Yep. Um, okay, so then what are some of your biggest victories then in, you know, doing rentals uh, as your core focus? So, um, in a weird way, you help a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're, if somebody wants to go to that school and the mom's like, look, I'm a single mom, I, I need my kid to go to the school, and you help them get in so that kid could go to that school, that's like a fulfilling win. Mm-hmm. Um, but my biggest win, um, in all of real estate, it's going to be tonight, actually. Um, our big short-term rental is going to be on TV. Yeah. So we built out San Ga- this property, San Gabriel. It's a 9,000-square-foot mansion, and it became so big and popular. Somebody saw it, and it got to uh, Pilgrim Films and the UFC, and they said, we want to film our reality TV shows in here. And I was like, wow. This is like my make-it moment, because <laughs> I love the UFC, and I'm like, holy crap. And so they were like, we're going to take the keys from you. We're going to do our thing. Just leave us alone. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to show the end product. And so today at 10 is the end product. Gotcha. So your, one of your properties in Henderson mm-hmm. is going to be the primary location yes. for a new reality TV show. Yeah, two new shows. So the Power Slap, Dana White's Power Slap, mm-hmm. which it's on right now, um, and Ultimate Fighter. That's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. So... That's that's a massive massive victory. So you at some point, right? You you're a PT, PE teacher. Yep. Not quite fulfilled, and then you went into real estate after a few different stops along the way. When did you realize real estate was it? Very early. Very early. I, I will say though, the thing about real estate and being an entrepreneur, it's very lonely. Yeah. At times, where mm-hmm. you're like, "Am I doing the right thing?" You can't really consult other people. Besides other entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. because they won't understand. Yeah. Everybody else gets a paycheck every week, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I'm sure you've felt this too, right? Definitely. And, and so, but there was a time where I was like, okay. It just, like, I'm looking at my numbers of my rentals, and I'm like, wow, one day when all these get paid off, I'm not going to have to work anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be relatively soon. I have just set myself up for success buying these little rental properties mm-hmm. that are just cash flowing. And most of them are almost paid off at this point. Wow. And I'm like, I'm going to be able to live off this, and I mm-hmm. can do whatever the hell I want to do. Right. And that was like the light bulb moment for me. I'm like, okay, that's going to be it for me. But mm-hmm. now I'm in a position where I could help people. Yeah. That's like really what I'm getting into now. With the, the, I love coaching. So I mm-hmm. coach lacrosse, love that. And I've, I have I've became successful through coaching lacrosse because mm-hmm. like all these people, I get clients from lacrosse. 
I, you know, these people buy houses for me. And now my former players that are graduating from college are coming back and working for me. Oh, really? Yeah. And so it's like a full circle of like, wow. Um, now I'm teaching them how great real estate is mm-hmm. at 21 years old. Yeah. And that's, that's a good for fulfillment also. What were some of the struggles that you faced along the way? Um, I think the lonely part was obviously COVID was tough being a realtor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's, it's not easy, like, just not having a paycheck at times. You, you, have yeah. to fig- you have to get creative. You have to have excellent money management skills. Sure. You have to have excellent, like, I'm not going to go spend this whole paycheck on stupid things. Right. And so those are definitely still to this day where I'm like, I strict money management. I don't mm-hmm. go buy anything crazy. I just save up my, I save up my 25 grand. I try to buy another rental mm-hmm. and I've stuck with that from the beginning and it works. So you mentioned that some of these might be paid off soon. Yeah. Which is counter mm. to every book, every guru that talks about real estate, right? They talk about whether it's OPM, leveraged debt yeah. or whatever. You're going against the grain here. I am. I mean, I'm a big, so I'm a big fan of going against the grain yeah. on this topic. So why are you going against the grain? Because it's the safer route. Mm-hmm. So if I own 30 rentals and I would have refied every single one of them and I've been razor thin margins on each one and I went and bought another 20 mm-hmm. right now in this time when the market is going kind of different than mm-hmm. it was, it only went up seven years I've been in this business. Mm-hmm. I would be crapping my pants right now. Yeah. I would be crap because if 10 of them go vacant, I don't have enough money to sustain those rentals. Mm-hmm. But my rentals are cheap. You know, they're $800 mortgage payments, and I'm renting them for 2400 a month. Yeah. And I just kept buying them down, buying them down. I'm looking at my statement every month. And I'm like, this thing's 70% paid off on a mm-hmm. lot of them. Once that thing's paid off, the market could crash. No one's coming to take it from you. Yeah. And I, I, it's a scare factor because. I saw Las Vegas. I moved in 2011. A lot of people got hurt. And I, heard, oh, yeah. I saw stories, and I, and I still hear stories of mm-hmm. people that really got crushed. And just hearing those stories where people lost their house and their whole lives, yeah. I don't want to put myself in that position. So I'd rather hit the single rather mm-hmm. than go for the Grand Slam. How many rentals do you own right now? 27. 27. Wow. And so, you know, I appreciate this. You're going against the grain because I'm also in that category, right? Oh, well, good. I'm going against the grain. And the reason why is that, you know, it's post-traumatic stress. Like, I started in 2007. Mm. So, you know, <laughs> all the stories you heard, I got to witness in real time. And so every property we've bought, we've owned free and clear. And everyone thinks we're crazy. However, I got the same issue as you, right? The book says leverage, right? As yeah. the market goes up, you can increase this and that. But for me, as I've always thought, operated in the mind, mindset, and this is a risk aversion situation, is like, well, what if it doesn't? What if it goes down? What if bad things happen? No matter what, if it's vacant and it doesn't cost me anything, but it's rented, cash flow is pretty good. Yeah. Right? And then um, Paul Sparks and I, we talk about uncertainty talks on Fridays. We talk about having a solvable problem. With where you're at, you don't have to report to anybody. No. Right? You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. Correct. Right. Actually, you and I were talking about before the show, mm-hmm. uh, you kind of remarked like, man, like there's a cool setup. You've been in Bradley's studio. That's an incredible setup. And you were talking about like this other situation at the win. Yep. And it's almost like a record label. Yeah. Right. Where like, hey, come in, record 10 episodes and we like you. We'll sign you. Yeah. 
And you were saying, man, that's pretty cool. And immediately in my head, we went to a dark place. So I was like, <laughs> no. And I didn't even think of, of the way you brought it up, to be honest. Right. Maybe I'm just naive, but go ahead. But they own you. Right, they do. Right? Like yeah. If you get signed by another label, they own you. Yeah. And now they're like, Steve, we need you to do a show with this person. Steve, we need you to do this. We need you to do that. It's like, right. no, like I'm doing this. Yeah. Because I want to call the shots. You know what's funny? I, we'll compare it to my rentals. Like I run all my own rentals. Yeah. Right? My way. Like there's okay. no one else in my ear like, oh, you should maybe take this person. I'm like, no. I met that person. I'm renting it to this person because yeah. I'm dealing with this person. Mm -hmm. And you're married to that person for the time that you lease the house to. And I, I agree with you that I, like being an entrepreneur, you have to think like that. Yeah. You're the general out there. You're the leader. And if you don't, then you, you won't go. You won't move up. Right in the world so anyway i hope that's helpful for everyone else watching you know we're doing a slightly different show here but i think a, re a really really important show like i said there are a lot of people that talk about tons and tons of active income right wholesaling is an active income business realtor that's an active income business what jason and i are talking about here is getting to a point where it's not active income yeah it's it's, it's money it's income on the side so i'm guessing your biggest purchase is the one you're preparing to, preparing yeah. tonight mm -hmm. yeah all right so Talking about your short-term rentals, right? Like, yeah. that is, is that your passion today? It is, because the best part about this business is I could go, and I'm starting to do it now, I could go buy places across the country mm -hmm. and use them, mm -hmm. where me and my family can say, hey, let's go to Tampa Bay right. tomorrow, spend the weekend there in our house. Mm -hmm. That's making money also. Right. And so that's, that's what I'm trying to scale right now, where I'm just networking with so many different people mm -hmm. by going on podcasts like this and buying creative deals. Right. That's, that's a big passion of mine now. I'm just trying to buy, use, I become an expert in creative financing mm -hmm. to buy as many rentals as I possibly can. Sure. So let's talk about then this evolution. So what have you changed in your, whether it's your marketing, your approach or whatever, to go from buying rentals long-term rentals to short-term rentals? It's just a better business. Uh, it's just better money. Mm -hmm. There's no real, I mean, I would say it's passion. It's a bigger pain in the butt. Like these people, they wreck your house. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it's harder. The systems are harder. The furniture is expensive to buy. So everyone thinks like you could go buy an Airbnb and you're going to make a million dollars. It's the, so far from the truth. And I've had ones that I built and I thought they were going to do amazing and mm -hmm. they didn't do well at all. Yeah. So I had to just pivot them into long-term rentals. Mm -hmm. So um, I do like the short-term rental model a lot because of that reason you could use the properties, how you could flex them. Mm -hmm. And to be honest with you, I've gotten so many calls recently, the past six months, where people see my properties on Airbnb and they just want to rent them long-term. Mm -hmm. And they just offer me a crazy amount of money. And I'm like, this is Christmas for me because yeah. I don't have to deal with any of the BS anymore. Yeah. Like this big house, somebody saw it and they were like, we'll take it for an extended period of time. Mm -hmm. So I, I like that too. So you can sure. kind of flex back and forth. But as far as, yes, there's more revenue mm -hmm. and there's more headache. But is there any particular approach? Because you're talking about going nationwide, yeah. right? Going nationwide is different than mm -hmm. leveraging your, your network right. from coaching. Yeah. So what to, to say like, hey, you know, I'm buying rentals, long-term rentals in Henderson to I'm going to be doing nationwide mm -hmm. short-term rentals. What was, for someone that's listening right now, what are the steps necessary to kind of, uh, to, to emulate that? So I'm really good at networking. Mm -hmm. um, but my main goal with doing this, uh, I'll get to, the, to it, is I want to find the next Henderson. Mm 
mm-hmm. because Henderson became a like a it hit like a boom, and the Golden Knights came and the Raiders came and it kind of became like you can't really invest in Henderson much anymore <laughs> because it became so expensive. Right. So now I got to find the next Henderson. What's mm-hmm. going to be the? That's where you really win when you get into a place before it blossoms fully. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I'm. I'm just poking around. Like you can't go and like invest in these big time towns like the Beverly Hills and mm-hmm. like it, it's just like it's too saturated. It's too. Um, it popped already. So now it's for me. I got to find the next Henderson. That's the best example. Got it. So then when you're saying you want to do nationwide, you're not saying you want to have short term rentals throughout the country. You're looking for the next market yeah, right. to repeat what you've done. Yeah, it's just the same same model. Just build a network mm-hmm. in the next city and then start there. But you're not going to be able to do that unless you try. So sure. I want to start building short-term rentals in places that I, I might have an interest mm-hmm. of going or, or and then just creating another real estate lane. Okay, so then let's just talk about Henderson then, right? So out of the 27 properties... Mm-hmm. How many are long-term rentals? How many are short-term rentals? Um, 70% is 70% of my rentals are long-term. Mm-hmm. And I have a total of nine short-term rentals. Okay. So then basically... So uh, whatever that is, 18, 18 long. So then essentially what you did then is you took the properties you already had and you didn't market to find short-term rentals. You just converted its existing use. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Just, well, like, uh, just like this big one I did. I turned into a long-term rental for the year. Mm-hmm. So then what were some of the challenges then? So you already had the assets. Mm-hmm. So then what are the challenges in going from a long-term rental to short-term rental? Because you're, you're already saying like they're promising the moon right? and it's not. So what are the, so, I what mean, did we learn? What I've learned is that there is a, where I live, there's a big rental demand. Mm-hmm. So you have to fill the rental demand. So if it's a short-term rental, you could flex the space. You put furniture. We just put nice furniture in at all of our properties. Well, not all of them, but most of them now. And we get people who are interested in renting it out short-term or mid-term or long-term. Mm-hmm. And then it's my decision of which one do I want to do, which one makes sense. Best used. Yeah, best used. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what's funny? Every time I think, I'm like, all right, this one's going to be a better this way. The opposite comes. <laughs> and you're like, okay, I was wrong. But right. you learn as you go. So how did you figure out? I mean, initially you were wrong. Yeah, I was wrong. Yeah. I'm guessing you're better at identifying it now. Yep. So what are those key things to know, like, what's going to be good for long-term, what's good for short-term? So I've found that anything with a nice backyard, people are going to want a short-term rental. Mm-hmm. They want to go on vacation there and use it, party there, whatever. And then the ones, like a little 3-2 mm-hmm. um, that I put on Airbnb as a short-term rental, those don't work as well. So I kind of go by that. That's gotcha. my little standard. So the promise is you can make a lot of money in Airbnbs. Mm-hmm. But you're saying that it's not quite what's promised. No, if so you, do, you have to do them the right way. So what's the reality? The reality is if, if you really study the business mm-hmm. and you enter a market that is like Scottsdale or Henderson where there is a need for them, mm-hmm. they will work extremely well. Right. Now, if you enter a market like Florida or California where it's very oversaturated, it's going to be tougher to be successful. Got it. So the pricing will go down. The pricing will go down, and there's the people will mess up your house because mm-hmm. there's there's no rules. I thought that with Airbnb there was some sort of insurance in place. Now I'm not an expert by any stretch mm-hmm. of the imagination, but I thought like if something happens, Airbnb helps take care of that. Yeah, they're like a, I mean you watch sports, right? They're yeah. like a referee that misses a call. 
Ah, <laughs> that's the best analogy I could use. All right, so yeah. they'll like that person gets a bad rating. Yeah, but, but they don't like. They're not dropping money in your No, account. so let's say you start a brand new one, right? I have yeah. a brand new one, and my first guest trashes my house, mm-hmm. right? And you get into a dispute, okay? The most important thing about your new Airbnb is the five-star rating mm-hmm. because that's how your SEO goes up. The more five-star ratings, the super host. So if you, on the first one, you get a one-star rate, you're done. It's over. It's over. Okay, so now, yeah, they stole your TV, but you can't complain about it because you need that five-star. <laughs> so we kind of... Negotiate with them. Hey, we know you stole our TV. We're not going to do anything about it, but leave us a five star because that five star will make us more money down the line and we have to replace the TV. Yeah. Now, some people will do the opposite and fight with them and over the few hundred dollars, mm-hmm. but I'm just like on to the next. Yeah. Keep it moving. So now I know I just got to find all the ones with low star reviews and, <laughs> yep. and just hi- help myself to whatever yep. appliances inside the house. Got yeah. it. So what are some other things they'll do for, for them to trash your house? Um, I, to be honest, so I, I partner with uh, Sean, and he manages my properties, mm-hmm. my short-term rentals. We partner together. We create the systems of what we think works. I'll build it out, and then I'll hand it off and let him kind of mm-hmm. manage it. And I, I'm really glad I do that because it just takes the headache off of it because mm-hmm. I was reading every single message, every single email, and I'm like, this is absolutely insane. Let him do it. What was insane about it? It was just like we had one guest who wrote 75 messages about things that were wrong with the house. Where's the hairdryer? The hairdryer is not warm enough. The forks aren't long enough. Like <laughs> like things like you, you th- it's crazy, <laughs> but that's what it is. You're in the hotel business. So every little thing, you get a message. Yeah. The AC's not cold enough. The dog's barking. This doesn't work. And so you have to really automate your houses to get a lot less messages because the less messages, the better for you. Mm-hmm. So what we do is we create QR codes for everything. Mm-hmm. Everything in the house. How to start the garbage disposal. How to take the trash out the right way. How to turn on the grill. How to work the ping pong table. So how to work the ping pong table. They take the scan of the QR code. You fold the ping pong table out. You do the two clips. The nets in the, the box over here. The extra paddles are over here. No more questions about ping pong. How to work the ping pong table. Yeah. Things like that. <laughs> I'm telling you. You have to do that because or else you will get bombarded with complaining and just yeah. questions. And that takes away from you making more money other places. So that does provide a better experience. Yeah, it does. Well, I know myself. I would never create all those <laughs> things. Not only would I never create those things. I would never think to create those things, and I'd just be frustrated with the messages. Yeah, we yeah. Well, we've learned our lesson because yeah. we have a nine thousand square foot house. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's a lot of things in this house. There's a right. lot of controls. When I bought the house, there was two hundred keys to the house, like a bag <laughs> like this. It was crazy. <laughs> I'm like, we got to automate this a little better, and we just came up with a system of creating QR codes. Gotcha. So we have a big wall for TVs. Scan the QR code. This mm-hmm. is how you turn the TVs on. If you want the four TVs to match. Or if you want individual games on each, this is how you work it. Wow. Gotcha. Okay. So um, how many have you bought outside of Henderson? I have four short-term rentals outside of Henderson. Okay. Two in Kansas City and two in Gulfport, Mississippi. Okay. Why Kansas <laughs> City? Kansas City we bought because we heard about this uh, property manager. His name is Tyler Shrek. Shrek or Shrink, I hope I didn't get it mispronounced it, but he, his systems are incredible. 
mm-hmm. for running shorts and rentals. Mm-hmm. And I saw his systems, and I'm like, this guy gets it. I will invest in a city because I have this system, this guy who runs them, amazing. And I have referred him out to many people, mm-hmm. and he just does a great job. And so I'm going to continue investing there because I trust him. Mm-hmm. And he, I, it's, I go on my bank account, and I see the income come in, and I don't even talk to him. Right, and he'll the only time he'll reach out to me or I'll reach out to him is if let's buy another one. Mm-hmm. That's it. Okay, so you're you're not investing in Kansas City, you're investing in a guy. Yes, gotcha. It's a great point. Yep, right. I'm investing in that in that person. Yeah. Okay. And then Gulfport. Gulfport. Yeah. All right. So Gulfport's a funny one. I told my I had my 21 uh, year old next door neighbor from New York. He came to visit me in Vegas for the Clever Summit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cody Sperber's event. Yeah. And I taught him re- Crash Course Real Estate three days. Mm-hmm. He joined Pace Morby's group. He's in. And he's like, he got, he got me two creative deals. And he's like, I want to try to manage an Airbnb in Gulfport. Mm-hmm. We've both never been to Gulfport. We'll never go there. And this 21-year-old, that who I trust, he's a family to me, and he runs that property by himself. Yeah. And so we, I told him, I said, if you run it, I'll split half of the money with you. Mm-hmm. And then we did another one. And so it's funny, that business of that house is ran with two people. It's ran with, we use Evolve, which is a national, na- nationwide Airbnb property management, mm-hmm. a 21-year-old, and one cleaner. Mm-hmm. That's it. So again, you're investing in... A, I'm investing in somebody else. In the person, yeah. not the market. And that cleaner is the best worker I think mm-hmm. I've ever met in my entire life. So you've never been to Gulfport? Never been to Gulfport. I've never met the cleaner. I've only talked to him on the phone So twice. I've been to Gulfport. Okay. Right. Tell me I, about it. Uh, <laughs> I liked it. I liked it. It was small. It's a cool little city, yeah. Yeah, it's, it was small, right? Uh, we had views of the ocean, but I didn't realize that the ocean there doesn't look so great. In person, right? <laughs> right. Okay. Right. Like, you know, in Florida, depending on what part of Florida, right, there's parts of Florida where the ocean's brown, there's parts of Florida where the ocean's blue, right? Where I was in the hotel, ocean's brown, <laughs> right? This is the Gulf, this yeah. is the Gulf of Mexico, right? Uh, but I was there for Real Estate Roundup Live. It was Adam Johnson and Brent Marino, right? Two really good dudes. They had an event, uh, and I spoke at the event. And what I liked about Gulfport, I, like Vegas, it's like a little Vegas, right? Like gambling is legal, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. right? So I was able to play no-limit poker, right? So I'm doing my thing. I'm networking. Once we're done networking, I go down to the tables and play, right? Yep. And then do it all over again the next day. Um, I want to say it was a... Bull- Cannot remember the name of the hotel. Okay. But it looked like a mini Bellagio, right? If you can imagine it. So you got Bellagio and you go and stay in this hotel and it's just a smaller <laughs> version, right? On the outside pulling up, it looks like Bellagio. Mm-hmm. On the inside, it looks like Bellagio. It's nuts, right? I think now you convinced me I got to go there and check out my. It's funny, like I own houses, places, and I'm never going to go see that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, th- I thought it was a cool little area, and people were saying, like, this, like a lot of wealthy people actually go visit there. It's, it's, it's easier to just go there than go to, to Vegas. Vegas. Yeah, I, I've heard nothing but good things about it. Again, I, you got to try it. Right. Like, I, if, if you don't, too many people I see, they're like, oh, I could get into this deal, but it's maybe a little too risky. I'm like, look, let's just try it. Like, yeah. I, I trusted the, my 21-year-old next-door mm-hmm. neighbor. He did the research. He brought the numbers to me. The numbers made sense. Yeah. I was like, let's. You know, I wanted to give him a shot, well, and I wanted to do it, too, so we did it. Well, the other thing, too, is that in Mississippi, it's, like, one of the best cap rates in the country, right? Like, you're buying rental properties, like, short-term or not. Like, Mississippi is one of the very few states where you can get, like, a 20%. Yeah. So, cash so, on cash. So here's a, one thing. This was a good uh, 
it like it hit me with this house the insurance is crazy expensive yeah because it's near the water and they get a lot of hurricanes and hail and the house that makes is sense. messed up right yeah so i'm used to my little henderson house is 60 dollars a month these are like four or five thousand a year yeah. and i was like whoa okay like i didn't account for that mm. i didn't know like different parts of the country you have to factor these things in high property right. taxes high insurance so now i'm like full on when i look at a property outside of henderson i factor those in a lot yeah. better it's not unusual what i saw by rental properties in other parts of mississippi right for sub fifty thousand. Mm. now that's changed i think with all the uh hedge funds and this and that but right they got wind of it and they bought them all yeah <laughs> yeah they did so um so right now uh you're not really wholesaling no i never got into wholesaling not really flipping i did one really big flip last year i hate flipping why do you hate, hate flipping? Because I have a, we talked about this, I have a trust factor issue. Mm -hmm. And I've never met somebody in construction who does what they say they're going to do. On Got time. it. And it's just a bad, it's such a harder business model, in my mm -hmm. opinion. But with all the properties you had, someone did the remodel. Nah, I did a few of them, but I bought a lot of them that were done already. Where you buy okay. them once, you don't touch them for a, while, a long time. Okay, so you bought the rentals. Then they were ready. They were ready to go. Were you buying these off the MLS? Yes. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. I didn't know about wholesaling until probably year three. And do you know Jaden Putney? He works yeah. for Carlos Reyes. Mm -hmm. so I list for Carlos and Sal. Mm -hmm. I'm their listing agent. I didn't know anything until I met Jaden. He told me everything. He was 19 at the time. Yeah. And I was like, what is wholesaling? I was like, do you get properties this cheap? How? Yeah. And he told me everything. He told me, that kid told me everything. Yeah. Well, there's some big, big players. In your neck of the woods. Yep. So uh, I'm going to, before we get into the audience's questions, we're going to okay. do a quick uh, commercial break. You're not hitting your revenue targets. Your acquisition guys have had the luxury of paying near retail, and your dispo guys have basically just been able to post anything and it sells immediately. You might be wondering do I have order takers or closers? Maybe the training has gotten a little lackluster and the Management might have even gotten complacent. And now that we're facing these serious headwinds, you might be wondering, do I have all the skills necessary to lead my salespeople in this new shifting market? Or just when they were ready. If you're asking yourselves these questions, please text leaders to 33777. Talk to my team. You're not hitting your revenue targets. Your acquisition guys have had the luxury of paying near retail, and your dispo guys have basically just been able to post anything and it sells immediately. You might be wondering, do I have order takers or closers? Maybe the training has gotten a little lackluster and the management might have even gotten complacent. And now that we're facing these serious headwinds, you might be wondering, do I have all the skills necessary to lead my salespeople in this new shifting market? If you're asking yourselves these questions, please text leaders to 33777, talk to my team, and see if we can help you as we overcome this new market. All right, so before we get into all the questions, guys, please ask your questions in here, right? Like, we want to make sure we answer all of your questions. So, uh, Claudio on YouTube asks an interesting question here, right? First, he says, you're an incredible entrepreneur. Where do you see the valuation of Airbnb licenses going in the future? 
Oh, so I'm banking heavily. If you have a license, it's going to be a gold mine. Yeah. Yeah. So in my market, because nobody's getting rid of them and they're not giving more of them. Yeah. So if you're an early, so I, I heard Scottsdale's starting to do them, right? Or they're uh, talking about I am them. not paying attention to that. Okay. So I, I read an article recently that I, they're trying to start it. And so if you're an early in to mm-hmm. the game and you get a license, I think that's a huge win and you'll be really successful. Yeah. It reminds me of um, two different things. There's the taxi medallions. Well, you're from New York. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great example. Right. Yep. So it's like the medallions. Uh, and the other one is uh, uh, marijuana is legal now, I think, for recreational it, use today. Yep. Right. But, you know, you had to go through this evolution, right? First, mm-hmm. it's completely illegal. Yep. And then it's medicinal. And now it's recreational. Yeah. When they first rolled it out, you needed a license to sell. And man, if you had a license, you were printing money. Yeah. Right. Very similar to Henderson with the license. <laughs> I, I evaluated the license. If you have a license on your house, it's worth about $100,000 extra of what your house is worth. Yeah. Does the license attach to the house then? It does. And okay. you can't transfer it. So you can't transfer from one house to another? Nope. All right. So that kind of reminds me of uh, we used to have these blue plates on our hybrids. You can't transfer one, ownership one with the blue plates. One license per property and you can't transfer them. Wow. 100000 I mean, I don't think you're off. No, I think it's it's a fair evaluation, and I just did that off of kind of the offers that came in on our properties, mm-hmm. just verbal offers from other investors. Yeah, so I just we kind of rounded the number to get to that. So if somebody offers, I I add that calculation in. Man, very nice valuation. I I think so. Yeah. Um. So someone commented here, uh, Eddie. Thank you, Eddie. Uh, Beau Rivage. That was where they had real estate roundup. Right. Okay. That's that was Beau Rivage is the equivalent. Of uh, or so we got it's go a to, mini Bellagio. So let's head down to uh, Gulfport and play some poker. Yeah. Um. So uh, Airbnb's air covers insurance of sorts, but not real real insurance. There you go. So yep. So you've got air cover, I imagine. We have that, but I always recommend State Farm has short term rental insurance per property. I don't get an umbrella policy. I get each one individually covered at least a million dollars for short term rental insurance. Yeah. There you go. So answers that question. Yeah. So I guess then what are some of the biggest things you've learned in general, right? With, with short-term rentals. Cause like uh, quick backstory here. Like I was doing, we had one VRBO back in, I want to say 2010, right? Early stages. VRBO in 2010 is a far cry from Airbnb <laughs> in 2023. Right. Yeah. I mean, we had to call the cleaners and make sure, <laughs> right, they were cleaned, and we had to make sure, like, there was no automations of any sorts, mm-hmm. right? And this is a situation where you got a property that we bought bad, we bought okay, we held it too long, and then the only way that we could not even cash was the only way we could break even, even. short term <laughs> rental. Yeah. We were doing VRBO back in 2010. What are some of the biggest things you've learned in doing short-term rentals? Or I guess, you know, with Sean doing, is Sean doing the majority of the work then? Yeah, he is. Um, What I've learned is you have to do it correctly the first time, meaning you have to set your house up, like, correctly. Mm -hmm. And don't go buy cheap furniture, because if it breaks, you're just going to have to keep cycling it. But I think on the positive side of it, it just gives you a really good opportunity. So I really branched myself out. Look, I have these properties, and I've gotten so many opportunities from just having rental properties. Mm-hmm. It's insane. 
Like what? Like, just like coming and talking about it or having professional athletes stay in yeah. it. People want to do the business model that you're mm-hmm. doing. Um, it's it's a un, it's a more unique type of real estate investing. Mm-hmm. So, well, you and I were talking offline, right? Because you were remarking, I got a a, a speed bag. Oh yeah, in my I office. love the speed bag. Right. Yeah. And so you're. I mean, we're we kind of talking about you know uh, boxing and MMA, and you know you got your clients that are mm-hmm. MMA fighters. Yeah. So, talk to me about how having rentals has opened a door to working with MMA fighters. So I have um, a few of my friends, my good friend, Eli Quinta, he's a real estate investor and agent too in Long Island, New York, and he's a fighter. Mm-hmm. And he was really the first fighter um, to advocate for real estate, to sh- start showing people, these fighters, that, hey, you know, getting punched in the head isn't all that fun. Like, <laughs> you need other income too. And so he and I kind of worked together and we were like, let's start helping UFC fighters. Mm-hmm. And so he is friends with all the fighters and he would start pushing them to Vegas because that's where all the fights are. Makes and sense. the PI just opened. And so I've been able to help these fighters, get them in a house. Like my friend Al Jermaine, he's, he's the champ right now. And showing him like, look, you could house hack this house mm-hmm. and you know, you're going to pay 16,000 a year in property taxes to four. And you should have saw his face light up. He was like, and I get this much house <laughs> with the pool and all this stuff. And I'm yeah. like, yeah. And I get saved on half my taxes. Yeah. Right. And he called all his friends. And he's like, you guys got to all come out. This is great. Right. I don't want to go live in a high tax area anymore. So just that opportunity was awesome. Was he living in New York? Yeah. Okay. So that's why it was 16000 Yeah. So it wasn't like a particular strategy. It was just move freaking states. Well, it's just, that's why, that's why I moved. Yeah. Like I saw my taxes on my house are sixteen hundred a year. My friends pay forty thousand a year in property taxes in Long Island, New York. For what? For nothing. <laughs> it's just Long Island property taxes. It's a privilege. Yeah, of of privilege of <laughs> sitting in traffic and shoveling snow. So my thing is I I kind of showed people like, look, you don't have to stay in this rat race and pay mm-hmm. those crazy taxes, those New York things that they have over there. You could go move somewhere else and live a lot better. Your mm-hmm. money goes further. Yeah, and so people started to follow, and they they loved it. Gotcha, very cool. Um, follow up question from uh, Claudia on YouTube is: How do you feel about the rules to get licensed? Do you feel that some of the rules are excessive, such as you can't have another one closer than a thousand feet? I think it's totally fair. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm in, the only thing I don't feel is fair is that I have to go buy a property, go in escrow with a risk that I might not get the license. Mm-hmm. And that's happened to me where I bought a house and then somebody beat me to the license. And so now I have to sell the house. What do you mean someone beat you to the license? So I bought this house, okay? I'm buying this house to make it an Airbnb. Mm-hmm. And this guy who's within my 1,000 square foot radius applied four days before to make his house a short-term mm-hmm. rental. So now the circle goes out. My house falls in his circle. I don't get the license. He gets the license. So now I have to sell this house. Got That's it. That's the only thing I don't like because when I bought my $1.4 million house, I was sweating it. I was crabbing my pants. I'm like, if I buy this house and I don't get the license, we're a little screwed here. Mm-hmm. But we got the license, so it worked out. Gotcha. Anything, any advice you would give to someone else that's like dealing with these challenges? Um, I think regulated markets are good. Mm-hmm. And, and not everyone is, not every market is as strict as Henderson is, mm-hmm. but you could do it anywhere. And so yeah. I, I, the most successful people I've ever met with doing these short-term rentals, they do their own house. Right. They get these bigger houses, they do individual rooms, they just, they're creative with it. Yeah. And that would be my best advice. But don't just go buy um, places, because like, I'm seeing a lot of people buy in Joshua Tree right now. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's not going to be a good market long term. Why is that? I don't know. I just don't feel like it has the it factor mm-hmm. down, down the line. Like Vegas is Vegas. It's going to be Vegas. We saw a huge rise because of the football team and the hockey team, the rodeo. Things are always happening. In Joshua Tree, I, I feel like it's just a trend, mm-hmm. and that trend's going to end soon. And so people are spending big money in Joshua Tree. You got to deal with the California taxes and all those rules. And I think that's a tough market to, to be in. I was just in Vegas last month. I had no idea the Golden Knights played right oh, on yeah. the strip. The best. Where, where were we staying? It wasn't, it wasn't Aria. Uh, it wasn't Aria. We were staying, shoot, Delano? Yeah, Delano. Oh, man. Right? We were staying there and like we're. Looking out, and we could see the Raiders Stadium, whatever they call that. The Allegiant Stadium. Yeah. And we go downstairs, and it's the Golden Knights. It's crazy. I think if you're a sports fan. Oh, it's the best. It's perfect. And it's on the southern end of the strip, which, right, is the southern end. And it used to be the southern end was the less desirable part. Yeah. Right? You had Old Town Vegas, mm-hmm. and you had the southern end, like, but like, if you really want to have fun, you're like in the middle of the strip. So there was an article last week that came out about the Raiders. It was so funny. And it said that the owner is getting pissed off because more visiting fans are in the stadium than home fans. Well, what do you expect? And I'm like, <laughs> what is this guy? I understand. He's like, it's, it's embarrassing that that's happening. I'm like, everyone wants to come to Vegas. It's a right. fun place to come. But my eyes lit up. I'm like, yeah, like, well, my Airbnbs are cranking during yeah. these football games. Because everyone wants to come watch the game here. It's the best place to watch football. Well, on top of that, it's not like Vegas has been like the hometown of Raiders forever. No, no. Yeah. They're, they're a mess. Yeah, those guys well, that's another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, one thing you got going on is you got this uh, Airbnb course. What, yeah. what is that? So, you know, everyone does courses. And I'll admit I was a hater on courses in the beginning. But somebody just was like, you need – there's so much – Rules and regulations in Henderson and Vegas about Airbnbs, you need to really educate people on how to do them correctly. But see, the real reason why I did it, I couldn't take another phone call from another real estate agent saying, hey, I have an Airbnb question. Or, hey, I have a client. <laughs> so here's what I did. So I, I partnered with Bradley, and we created this win with, it's called Win with Airbnb, mm-hmm. winwithairbnb.com. Yeah. And if you want to learn about it, the first thing I do, take the course. And then I'm happy to help you because it is so dialed in and every single rule, everything you need to do, how to build it out the right way, how to operate it. And then if you have questions, we could sit down and talk because mm-hmm. I was just wasting so much time of people who were kind of maybe wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. And it really fields out people who they say they want to do it. They watch and they're like, this is way too in depth yeah. of how to do well, it correctly. Really smart move. So, you know, Ryan Pineda is your neck of yeah. the woods. Mm-hmm. And years ago, he had similar frustrations. And all he said was, like, I wrote a book. Read the book. <laughs> prove to me you read the book. Then I'll answer your questions. Yeah. Right? You know what's funny? Ryan's awesome. He, uh, I was getting so frustrated with, like, the, the marketing, off marketing. Mm-hmm. And he, we went to lunch, and he's like, I have stop doing the marketing. I'm like, but how am I going to get off? Mar-? He's like, just network with people. Mm-hmm. That was the best advice I ever got in my real estate career. Yeah. He's like, stop doing the marketing. You're not good at it. <laughs> and I was like, you're right. I'm not good at it. I suck at it. He's like, okay, great. Let's on go to the next topic. Yeah. Like, go do social media. You'll get deals through there. Go go to networking events. You get deals through there. Yeah. And I listen to him. Well, it's obviously it's very obvious to me, right? Readily apparent as I said across from you, you're a connector. Yes. Right. I am. As a connector, yeah. Marketing was a really bad idea. Yeah. 
I, and I'll never. The, the best part is I'll never try it again. <laughs> so then, describe your business now versus when you started. Um, I'm bringing a lot more people into my business, which is nice. I, I you know, making my friends' money with me is fulfilling. It's exciting. Um, but um, like we talked about before, I'm learning to hire other people mm-hmm. to help me. Yeah. I hired a full-time assistant about two and a half, three years ago. I'm building out a retail real estate team mm-hmm. where I can uh, get some lead gen going and, and help more families move to Vegas. Yeah. And I'm just trying to grow. Mm-hmm. And every year I've grown and it's been great. Gotcha. Um, so that was, that's now. What about like? Oh, in the beginning? Yeah. Oh, man. It was very lonely. I don't I like the word lonely, but it was like you, I didn't I w- explain that right because we talked about earlier in the beginning of the, of the show. So I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if it was the right thing. So I was like, I want to buy rentals. No one in Las Vegas was buying rentals. Right. Pineda, all these guys, they were wholesaling, they were flipping. Mm-hmm. And then I met this guy, uh, Josh Galindo, mm-hmm. and I went to a speaking of his, and he. Got up in the room and he goes, I buy rental properties. I pay them off and they have they bring me this much a month cash flow, 20 grand a month cash flow. And I was like, this is the guy I gotta talk to. <laughs> yeah. Um, I became great friends with Josh. That's he flips, but he has his basis of rentals that he lives off of. And that's his that's his baby, his mm-hmm. bulk of 50, 60 rentals that I have, and they're all pretty much paid off. I was mm-hmm. like, I want to be like that guy. Yeah. Um, I don't want to do wholesaling, I don't want to flip. And I, I learned, I just copied what he was doing, like in the back. I mm-hmm. was just watching him, what he was doing. He would do the same thing, make his house a little nice and rent it. Mm-hmm. So that's the, uh, I just, when you observe people, if you're in business and you're younger, just look at the people who are successful. Yeah. But the problem with Instagram and social media, there's a lot of people full of, you know what? <laughs> so it's hard. So you got to kind of connect people a little bit, you know, and say, look, like, okay, I see him. He's not lying. Yeah. And he's actually doing it the right way. You know, it's, it's difficult within the industry to see who's real and who's not. Yeah. It's impossible, I got to imagine, on the outside if you're just oh, watching yeah. Instagram. Yeah. Right? Well, that's why, like, I meet people, they buy, I bought 10 courses. Like, I'm like, why didn't you take and just dive into the pool? Yeah. Why didn't you try it? And they're like, they're never going to try it. Because, mm-hmm. like, out of, when I sell my course, 70% of the people don't even finish it. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I talked to uh, my daughter about, right? Because, like, you know, going to school this day and age, a little bit different than when you and I went to school. Mm-hmm. And I've always t- told her, like, hey, look, whatever teacher says, yes. Right? You, you, you yeah. don't argue with the teacher in the class. But always process it. Does this line up with what I've observed in my life? Yeah. Right? Always filter it. Don't disagree with her. My, uh, my example, I coach 18, uh, coach 18-year-olds, and they're like, I want to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you have no clue what an entrepreneur is. Like, <laughs> what, what does that mean, you want to be an entrepreneur? Yeah. But they're in this wave now, these 17, 18-year-olds. Like, they could go make money playing video games. They yeah. could go make money on TikTok. But the problem is, is that that's a small amount who become successful. Mm-hmm. So they're getting pulled away from going to school and college and getting a business degree. And they just want to go do whatever, like, the successful YouTubers are doing. Yeah. And that... That's a problem that I think is gonna get bigger and bigger. We'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. I think there will be an interesting evolution because um, you know they're kids. I say they want to be YouTubers. Actually, again, going back to my daughter, I had this conversation. Like, 
there's this generation that wants because it's Gen Z, right? We, we're posting on social media. You got Graham Stephan talking about here's how much money I make yeah. on YouTube. You got Mr. Beast talking yeah. about here's how much yeah. like Mr. Beast is making you know tens of millions of dollars a year. Turn down a billion dollars, yeah. right? And so I asked my daughter, like, have you ever said like you want to be a YouTuber? She's like, yes. Like, okay, well, you never shared that with me, so that's cool. And I say, okay, but now we have a reaction show that we do together. You are a YouTuber now. Really? Why won't you tell anybody about this? It's like it's embarrassing. It's like you decided you want to be a YouTuber. Right. You forced yourself onto my channel, on my yeah. show, and now you don't want to tell anybody about it? That's funny. It's interesting to me. Well, social media changed my life for the better just because of the connecting part, but I recommend anyone who's going to be an entrepreneur, you got to use social media to your advantage. You've got to. You absolutely got to. Uh, what freedom does real estate afford you? Well, I could get up when I want and do whatever I want mm -hmm. and talk to whoever I want. Nobody tells me what to do, yeah. which is great. I just hopped on a plane today. <laughs> I'm going to hang out with you. I was pumped about it. Yeah. That's my family. That's the best part. And then uh, what is your why? Um, I want to be really successful because I think, you know, my, I, I've always been a little money driven, not too crazy, but the, with more money you have, more opportunity mm -hmm. that, that you could have. And the more opportunity you can to help people. Yeah. Um, as cliche as that sounds, that's, that's what it's all about. But you it know, sounds like you really enjoy helping people. I do. Yeah. Especially younger. I love mentoring younger kids. And now I'm at a point where those younger kids are now adults. Mm -hmm. And I have a great relationship with those kids mm -hmm. that are now 25, 26, that are mature adults now. And we go out, have dinner, and we talk business. And that's Why the does that part. drive you? I just think it's cool because they come back and they want to hang out with their mm -hmm. former coach. Right. And they see that what I'm doing and they might have an interest in it mm -hmm. and it means a lot yeah. that, I, that they saw what I'm doing. They mm -hmm. see that I work hard and they right. want to do, they kind of want to follow the step. But there's gotta be something more to that. Right. I mean, cause I, it's not that I don't believe you, right. I absolutely mm -hmm. believe you. It's, and I think I'm wondering, is there any part here where like you went down a path that you found you thought was the wrong path? Or do you think maybe uh, you no. saw something with... No, I just, uh, I, always, I always related my whole life to sports. Mm -hmm. I always had sports in my life. That mm -hmm. was like my thing. So I, when I coach, I'm always available to those kids. And I'm always available to mentor them. And I want to give them a good experience. Right. So when they go out and do what they do, they go to college and then they come back and they want to, hey, I want to, like one of my, two of my kids, they went to MIT. Mm -hmm. And they they're working on my YouTube stuff now. Yeah, awesome. The two, I have the two smartest kids working on my YouTube. But I'm like, these kids want to hang out with me, work with me right. all day. That feels awesome, and I enjoy being with them. Like mm -hmm. we've gone through a lot together over the years. You know, when you coach somebody and you really see them mature and help them, um, I don't know. It's a big thing in my life. Yeah. Well, I'm really digging deep into this. So, okay. I, I fortunately, you know, I, I Gary Harper was in town. We had dinner last night, mm -hmm. right? He's a business coach of mine. And we were talking, and like for him, he really struggled, right? We were he he shared some vulnerable stories last night that I won't share because he hasn't shared with them publicly yet. Uh, but I mean, he had a really hard life because he was thrown out. At, I want to say in ninth grade, he was thrown mm -hmm. out of his house, right, in ninth grade. And so he, until he became who he is, like there were a lot of years of suffering, and he was so broke that he couldn't even afford, um, you know, meals, right, on some days. And so for him, it's so important to him to give back to the youth. Because he was a very troubled youth, yeah. Right, like he he always got into trouble, right? Like I said, kicked out, you mm -hmm. know, in ninth grade. And so he wants to be the father figure 
to to help the kids so they don't go down the path that he went. Right. Yeah, my story doesn't doesn't relate. Uh, I just have like I love I have a real passion for coaching mm-hmm. lacrosse. I yeah. love it. Um, now it's like I have to pick business a little bit more than mm-hmm. coaching lacrosse. Yeah. But I tell people I I share my story with a lot of other youth lacrosse coaches mm-hmm. that are twenty one, twenty two. I'm like, if you just follow the same model I did, you are yeah. way ahead because you have the biggest thing with real estate is networking. Right. And if you're a real estate agent, you need network to sell houses. Sure. So you could go do this anywhere. I'm wondering how much of that has um, translated. You telling other lacrosse coaches to repeat what you've done. I, I'm in the process of maybe starting another program mm-hmm. to, for lacrosse coaches because yeah. I think if you just, like what I just said, what to do, it will work. It works because I every don't... parent <laughs> wants to help the mm-hmm. person that's helping their kid. Yeah. It's no secret. Right. That's what happened to me when I was coaching. Every parent saw that I was at practice on time for nine months straight, in the cold, in the heat, never complained, didn't make any money doing it. Mm-hmm. And they were like, wow, this guy has some good work ethic. Like, yeah. I want to help him. I want to put him in the position to get him further up down the yeah. line. And that's what happened. That's awesome. Um, besides financial freedom, what else? you love about real estate uh the the hanging out with other investors is the best and i'll use my big house for example i hate construction i was scared crap of it but i met somebody who's really good at it Mm -hmm. and i wanted to work with this guy so bad his name's tyler hubs and he was just so busy and i'm like look we're gonna build the biggest airbnb like i'm gonna buy we're gonna buy and you're gonna design and build it out and it like he was like okay and we did it, and it exploded, and it worked. Mm-hmm. So that's the best part is I get to now partner with somebody who's a construction genius. Yes. We can do other things together down the line. Um, but that's, a, that's my favorite part by far. When did this Airbnb get done? Last year. Last year. Yeah. I'm wondering if this is the same one. Uh-oh. Because he, he was in our coaching program. It's the same one. It's the same one? It's the same one. Yeah, we're 50-50 partners on it. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, so we built the two biggest ones in Henderson together. That's phenomenal. Because yeah. like when he would do our coaching calls, he was always had something working in the background. It's like... He is nuts. <laughs> like, he is, like, out of his mind. I would never recommend you do anything. Like, I don't know how he sleeps at night. Mm-hmm. He's got so many projects going yeah. on, and his vision is just on another level yeah. with construction. But I had to move the laptop a couple of times. Like, show me what you're working on back right. there. So, yeah, he, that's so cool. He's a man of many hats with the construction side. He's, a ma- he's awesome. Yeah. What is your biggest struggle right now? Just trying to delegate to grow. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very hard to take money and just say, look, I have to lose three grand a month to pay this person, but that person's going to bring me back right. more money. That's very difficult. How have you overcome that you got to try it mm-hmm. you have to really just rip the band-aid off and then yeah. try it so one thing that i learned uh so this is not me saying this this is my coach saying this to me okay uh his words were something along the lines of how much of a narcissist do you have to be to think that there's not someone out there that can do it better than you <laughs> <laughs> that is so good i never i never heard that and it's true yeah. It's so true. I think right. I'm the best in the world at everything, but I'm not, and I should hire somebody else that's better than me at it. Yeah. But I'm cheap sometimes, and mm-hmm. that's the biggest problem. Right. And I envy people who, because there's a lot of people in this industry that get people to work for them for free, mm-hmm. right? And they, yeah. those people, like, they're, 
They're like the Wolf of Wall Street. They come to the office and like, we'll die for this guy. And I'm yeah. like, how do you do that? And yeah. it's just the culture they build in their business. I would not be surprised if you get there sooner rather than later. I appreciate it. Yeah. With how much you care about helping other people, I would not be surprised. Well, that's what I'm hoping. You know, This year, I've already seen like people reaching out to me. They're like, hey, I want to dive into the business. But my line is this, Steve. If you want to get in the business, go take the real estate test. That's mm-hmm. like Ryan reading the book. Yeah. Go take the real estate test. Mm-hmm. And I've only had one person complete the real estate test, and that was my assistant. Yeah. <laughs> she was the only one who did it. You know, um, so you were talking about Pace earlier, right? Mm-hmm. So Pace Morby and I, for years, we would run at 5.30 in the morning. Okay. Right? We would just meet at a park and run at 5.30 in the morning. We would post about it on Instagram. Right? Oh, God. Here they come, like Rocky. <laughs> you, would, you would hope. No? No. The cost to hang out with me and Pace was to run. Right. At, yeah, meet us at 5.30 in the morning to run with us. Nobody Only knows. a handful of people, right? Like one hand. Okay. So, yeah. Well, I'd, be, I'd be surprised. That's surprising to me, actually. Right? Because I was like, hey, Jason's running at 5.30 in the morning. I want to learn more from Jason. Guess what I'm doing? Right. I'm showing up at 5.30 in the morning, right? I got my brand new running shoes. I got these ridiculous outfit to go run, right? To make sure I don't look, you know awful right but I, I, w- I was consistently shocked i kept expecting more people to just random people just just show up they didn't i had people dm me hey i want to meet you guys there no game yeah right. it's like you guys jump. i always use the jump of the pool to swim because it's so true nobody they're they're at the very tippy top of you know <laughs> they're right there at the edge and they dip the toe in but they just fully won't dive in yeah how do you measure success um, that's a really good question. Just trying to think of how, I think once you get to a point where obviously you, you start helping people where now you take a little off of what your driving focus is to help other people, mm-hmm. you have to be successful to do something like that because yep. everybody else is just so focused on themselves. So then what is your superpower? Um, I think I'm very good at making people feel comfortable. You know, I, I, people trust me, so they trust me to move them across the country, get mm-hmm. settled in, and I'm really good at networking. Yeah. That's my biggest superpower. And how did you learn your greatest lesson? Um, my greatest lesson? I'll use a baseball analogy. Like... <laughs> Like you, you're gonna strike out a lot along the way. Mm-hmm. So I'm not afraid of stri- striking out. It doesn't bother me. So I've had businesses that I started that didn't work, but at least I threw something at the wall to see if it would have stuck. Yeah. And which failure did you learn the most from? Uh, which failure did I learn the most from? I think I'm gonna go back to like not like hiring more people. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I should have done that earlier. And that was a big miss for me. Yeah. To help me grow. Yeah, we're definitely going to dig into that a little bit further. Okay. What book have you gifted more than any other? Street Justice by Chuck Zito. Street Justice? Yeah. You ever read it? I have not read that. Okay. It's not a real estate book, but it's a... Uh... Sounds serious. Yeah. Chuck Zito was the president of the Hells Angels. Okay. Okay. Motorcycle Club. New yeah. York. They, were, um, they were a rough, rough oh, yeah. bunch. Oh, So... The, the premise about this book was just leadership. That's what I took out of it. Mm-hmm. Guy led hundreds and hundreds of grown men mm-hmm. into this journey of being in a motorcycle club. Yeah. And the businesses that came with it, and then he got to Hollywood. But I was like, how did this guy 
become so famous and popular and it was mm. through building this club. So what were some of the leadership lessons you learned from it? Um, you know, you have to lead by example, you know, and he just took no shit from nobody. Mm-hmm. He's the toughest New Yorker ever to come out, they say. So, yeah. One of them, yeah. A lot of tough guys in New York. He's one of them. I got to meet him, and he's a scary guy. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have to be, to yeah. be a leader of, yeah. a, of a motorcycle Yeah, game. look him up. He's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, question from Facebook was, I don't know if he said it before, but is he still buying short-term, or is he buying short-term rental properties outside of Henderson? Yes, I am. But right now, I'm only buying creative finance deals. Got it. Um, so only if it's a creative finance deal. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, I want you to uh, think about a message you want to leave all the listeners with while I make a couple of quick announcements. Okay. Hey, guys, if you got value today, please like, subscribe, share, and comment. And then we do have our Cashflow Tactics event this coming Friday. So be sure to check that out, DMS the word webinar. And we do have uh, Ren coming back into Phoenix, February 24th, 25th. If you want to figure out how to get your salespeople to be inspired, to want to work hard, right? If you're feeling tired in any way at all, if you feel like you have to drag your salespeople, text leaders to 33777 to even make sense for you to come to our live event. Uh, and next week, we got William Dennis coming up from Miami, Florida. So be sure you check that out next week. What are some thoughts you like to leave all the listeners with? So I think when I, I was really scared of the real estate industry, like mm. even coming here and seeing your office with all these employees. You've already seen Brad's right, office. What are you I, talking about? I saw Brad's <laughs> office. Like it doesn't, you don't need all that, right? To be successful. You like, don't, I, not I, at all. I was just one person with an assistant mm-hmm. for many years, just buying rental properties. Yeah. My office is the size of this table, a cell phone and a computer. Mm. Yeah. You know, you don't need to have the, all the glitz and glamour, the big right. office, the big over, yeah. I hate overhead businesses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where you have to make a certain amount, like um, that scares me big time. So that would be my best, my best advice to these young entrepreneurs. You don't need big overhead. No, you don't need big overhead. You could just go and, and do it with hard work mm-hmm. and networking, saving up money, investing it slowly. I didn't do yeah. this overnight. It took me years, and I'm gonna hopefully double it over the next seven years. That's great, great advice. So again, like I said, I started in 2007. So when things got bad. I got to see who got hurt the most. Mm-hmm. And the people that got hurt the most were the ones with the biggest overhead. Yeah. The right? big offices, right? the big cars, the fancy view, mm-hmm. the big glass windows, class A space. Like, I am never doing that. No, you don't need to do it. Yeah. All right. So, if someone wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to do that? Instagram. I'm on Instagram all day, every day yeah. at J Griggs Real Estate. At J Griggs Real Estate. All right, guys. If you got value today, again, please. Share this episode right now. A rising tide does lift all boats, and we'll see you guys later. Shout out to Steve Train. Jump on the Steve Train. We real estate disruptors.